Today's date is August 14th, 2017. Hello and welcome to Hit the Books Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we're here to give you all the saucy deets in the world of comics this week. Sorry, folks. uh, We missed last week. Uh, We had a mic issue and uh, basically ruined all our audio for the recording. Yeah. So we're redoing that podcast basically now. (laughs) And... uh, We'll probably do the Spider-Man reactions, reviews at a later date. We'll see. When time allows. <laughs> it's coming, folks. <laughs> so, Emery, what have you been reading? Um, Well, I have actually been a bit behind uh, for the last week. Uh, still catching up on Secret Empire, uh, Monsters Unleashed, and I picked up a title... DC title, in fact, uh, Mr. Miracle number one. Mm. And I cannot recommend this book highly enough. Why? Uh, well, of all things, Mr. Miracle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it might sound a little weird, but somehow they have managed to craft a, a story that really hooked me uh, with a character that I normally otherwise couldn't care less about, honestly. Uh, the story, um, I, like, I, I don't want to spoil anything, because, like, a- anything that I say, like, within the first three panels, I'd be spoiling it. Uh, needless to say, uh, Mr. Miracle, uh, escape artist extraordinaire, has found the one thing that he thought he couldn't escape from, uh, attempts to escape from it. And let's just say, let me go back. Uh, Let's just say that in doing so, or attempting to do so, things have gotten a little weird. Hmm. Things don't seem like they should. Uh, The the world around him seems to be a bit different as a result of this escape attempt. With that being said, uh, the art style... And the style of storytelling really reminds me of, um, like, early to, like, mid-90s Vertigo comics. Or, like, uh, something along the lines of, like, Watchmen from the 80s. Oh, wow. Neat. Yeah. Um, uh, Again, can't recommend it highly enough. It deserves your read. (laughs) All right. Cool. I'll look out for it. Maybe I'll pick it up. Oh, yeah. Well, I haven't been reading too much. I've been busy with all this mayhem. Yeah. <laughs> based on the audio and trying to make it work, but it just wasn't working. So, uh, I haven't had a whole lot of time on my hands to get stuff done, but I have been uh, catching up on some Punisher comics that I've been backlogged on. As always, I have the huge backlog. I still haven't covered every single thing from the New 52. Not. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm. That's a lot. <laughs> I got quite a bit of backlog to get through. Uh, nothing's really stuck out for me yet as of the stuff I'm going through. Punisher's your typical Punisher stuff, you know. It's about what you'd expect. Yeah, and, uh, war on crime, his his basic deal. Yeah, make people hurt. That's about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he's the Punisher. He's yep. out to punish. So, without further ado, let's get into the news. Big news that came out last week, uh, Miller World Comics... 
has been bought up by Netflix for their broadcasting rights. And I guess uh, Netflix is looking to make their own series exclusively through Netflix. Interesting. And that would include titles such as Kick-Ass and uh, The Kingsman, which great movie. Go see it. Yeah. I don't know about the sequel yet. We'll see. <laughs> I hope it's great. Yeah, me too. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, Nemesis is one of them. And... Oh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, there's some potential there. <laughs> uh, th- yeah, to say the least. Um, if I'm not mistaken, both uh, Nemesis and Superior, which are Mark Miller's take on uh, Batman and Superman, respectively, uh his take not really on... good guys by the way oh yeah no 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 um he has a very controversial take on these characters like batman oh my god this is like if batman was like a villain but su- somehow managed to successfully be a worse villain than all of his other like villains from like the normal batman universe combined yeah, he's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, the Superman, well, I should more accurately say Superman and Shazam. But uh, yeah, his take on that was also, uh, it was kind of like interesting and cheeky and fun at first, but then things get really dark mm-hmm. because this is the Miller world. <laughs> yeah, and uh, everything he touches uh, finds a way to turn to shit. <laughs> I don't mean in, in quality. I mean, it's so, like the stories just they the hurt. Characters they just their lives go to shit. Y- yes, they do. <laughs> so uh, look out for that, and we'll see. I'm guessing they probably won't have anything up for a, at least a year. But yeah, uh, they haven't disclosed the amount yet. But I'm guessing it was something significant for Miller to give up the rights to all that stuff. So. Yeah, they got to get all their their monies in a row, I guess. Especially after selling Kick-Ass and Kick-Ass 2. And, oh, yeah. You know, man. The two Kingsman movies, you, you would expect that the next big thing would be his other comics, you know. Yeah. So I'm sure he made off pretty well with those. So Netflix must have ponied up something pretty significant. I wonder if they'll get the rights to those previous movies. Um, That'll be interesting to see how that plays out, honestly. Yeah. Um. I don't know how that would work out legally, but... Yeah. And it being Sony that uh, bought up the rights, uh, I'm just... I'm worried. I I saw what Sony did to Spider-Man. More specifically, their second attempt at Spider-Man. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't see the Garfield movies. They came out too quickly after the uh, original three and... Yeah. I, I, I liked the Which... first two, and then I didn't like the third one, mostly because of Topher Grace. <laughs> <laughs> I like him in that 70s show. Not much in pretty much anything else. Uh, yeah. He should only ever be that kid from that 70s show. <laughs> he really should. He's type A. Typecast. <laughs> he can't avoid it. <laughs> Next up on the news, Inhumans' uh, first episode leaked. And it's not being received well by pretty much anybody. Uh, the promotion has already been criticized for looking very weird and janky and not very good. 
Marvel has been trying to kind of push the Inhumans for a while, probably as their way of creating a pseudo X Men world for their cinematic universes. Yeah. And, uh, it's not being received very well. Now, the director has come out in defense of this uh, first episode that was leaked and said that the version you saw is not the final version. However, the first episode is set to premiere in IMAX in theaters all around the country uh, on September 1st, which is <laughs> two and a half weeks away. So, <laughs> if it's not the final version, yeah, uh, when's that going to be done? About that. Yeah. So something smells fishy about this. You know, maybe some of the post production wasn't finished, but I mean, I mean, clearly the the stage is set. I, I think it. This might have been pushed a bit too soon, and honestly, them going the TV route with this one, it just it it, it doesn't seem like it's going to come out well. No, I mean it was originally planned to be a movie, then it got downgraded to the TV show, and then they were like, "Oh, we're still going to show it in IMAX on the first episode." And I'm like, "Why?" <laughs> Like, we've already committed to this being television, as in sit at home, not yeah. go to the theater and pay to watch the first episode of a television show. show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I'm, I don't know if they forgot how TV works, but yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, it's got some decent actors in it, but man, that's just... It, right. The humans were never really that interesting to me in the first place. Yeah, I was thinking, well, maybe they'll try to push some kind of Guardians type of thing with the movie. And then they said, no, it's going to be a TV show. And I was like, well, screw that. (laughs) And uh, everything I've seen from promotional stuff and from what little of the leaked footage I've seen already, like, it's just just looks really awkward. And yeah, it's kind of hard to make a story about moon people in 2017. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it from what? I can tell from what I've seen of this, this looks like a superhero-ish, X-Men-ish style TV show that's going to attempt to be Game of Thrones very light. Which, I don't think that's the approach that you want to take with these people. Like, this should be basically a what should have been a first contact story had they not been slowly like but like by a spoon feeding us inhumans here and there yeah. in like a very x-men style fashion yeah yeah i guess we'll find out i <laughs> I, I mean i give every everything a shot you know but i don't know try anything once Except for that, uh, watching that first episode in theaters. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Screw you. <laughs> I'm not giving you box office ticket prices for a television show. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, well. <sighs> and for our final news item, we have comic sales around the entire industry have dropped almost an average of 20% from last summer. So, mm-hmm. not looking too good. Some of it, uh, from what I've been reading in several sites, is being pointed to as not having a big enough event. Where <laughs> you know, uh, and my argument would be that they've had nothing but an event for like three years, <laughs> right? Just uh, nonstop. It's just event connected to event, event. You know, yeah. Uh, it, we, I think event fatigue has set in. Yeah, I would. I would probably point more to that and towards just you know. 
yeah it, patting like, on the back for stupid things like changing people's <laughs> colors and you know that it, sort of thing yeah the, it's just kind of there's way too much going on rub people the wrong, wrong way you know and it, i mean comics have been struggling for a while anyway you know it's just just the fact with all these movie universes and stuff it's you know there's so many other mediums that people can seek out for new you know comic stories so yeah it's just a kind of a hard fact but as it currently stands uh marvel and dc as far as their retail market are both pretty much neck and neck in the market surprisingly yeah Uh, marvel currently controls about 39 percent of the market and dc has about 31 percent, and then the rest is kind of split up with image being the big one but uh, Dark Horse is in there, IDW's in there, Boom's in there, Dynamite's in there. All with just a little little bit of the market. But uh, if you want to look at these, let's see here. You can go to newsarama.com, 4-35904-july-comic-book-sale.html. They got all the stats here, which is pretty helpful. So shout out to you, Newsarama. Written by Michael Doran. But uh, yeah, it's, if these numbers are to be taken seriously, it's not a good sign for the market to shrink 20% in a year. Yeah, Granted, no. last year was supposedly really good with all the you know Civil War and Secret Wars and Rebirth and all the nonsense that was going on at that time, you know. Right. Uh, maybe DC will see a change, a bigger improvement with uh their new changes to book prices and release schedules but uh i don't know they've been doing a lot of weird stuff with their art styles and their their stories are fine but they've been kind of lackluster since they moved to la and i kind of suspect it's just a cultural thing yeah no longer being in the middle of new york city kind of takes the gotham out of gotham you know right and everything's turning into more of a suburban you know light-hearted kind of it hurts open pretty sky <laughs> story you know which is not dc at all right so, it's kind of like know. leaving your your muse or your inspiration behind yeah i personally feel like la is just a toxic <laughs> a toxic place for anything comics oh yeah good for the movies not so good for everything else you know right yeah but we'll see how things work out you know we always preach you know support your local comic book stores and buy physical when you can because you know these artists and these story writers they're the, they're the origin point they're the brick and mortar of what forms the greater universes whether it's video games or whether it's uh you know movies and every other medium you enjoy you know without that base of the written comic book you really don't get very far with the other mediums oh yeah yeah it's like having like a pre-existing thing with ips and all that mm-hmm. it's like everybody immediately recognizes and wants to pick up like almost anything batman related <clears throat> just yeah. because it's batman yeah and uh if there wasn't that comic there then it's like there wouldn't be a game based on that character movies based on that character any kind of merchandising based on that character and uh, i think for some reason uh whenever they see like where the money's coming from which a lot of it is from the merchandise um when they focus more heavily on that and less on the source material 
uh, it's easy to see like why that would suffer along with you know writers and sometimes artists like leaving the books yeah and uh this is me just uh throwing it out in the ether but i kind of hypothesize that uh a lot of it comes down to killing or replacing well-known, well-beloved characters that are kind of the best sellers. For example, Wolverine. You know. Oh yeah. Wolverine. I'm I'm sure was a top seller and continued to be a top seller in some form or whatever. I mean, I know they got Old Man Logan, but nobody wants to read some Elseworld version of their favorite <laughs> character for two years. You know. Right. And I mean, they. No matter how good he is, he's not the same. Yeah, and even even with the characters that did stick around like for example the kind of current incarnation of batman he's not really batman (laughs) (laughs) i mean his his outfit is totally different and his behavior is very different and he's not really the character that people have come to love and i don't know yeah so even even with the character now times have to change obviously it's you know it's expected but like you know, every character is getting killed off or changed. You know, Captain America is now part of Hydra for another <laughs> event. And we have, you know, Falcon Captain America instead. So people are like, well, that's weird. And then there was a point in which Falcon decided to put down the mantle, but then he picked it right back up. Yeah. And it, it, there's a whole lot of back and forth and like there's not a lot of consistency. Yeah. And we, I mean, we've gone back and forth. I mean, we've, they DC did the Stephanie Brown Batgirl again for whatever reason. <laughs> I don't think we really needed that either. You know? Um, you know, they totally changed who Barbara Gordon was when they uh, brought uh, they, her back. When, yeah. <clears throat> when Gail Simone left, Gail Simone had an awesome story going for her and had an awesome personality, very cool, you know, uh, artwork and costume design. Then they changed it to kind of like she's a girl in the suburbs getting her masters and fighting suburban crime wearing like a leather jacket <laughs> because you know that's a superhero uh, but i mean <laughs> i guess they were trying to appeal to more i don't know younger girls or something i don't know but it's it just kind of ruined it kind of watered down what barbara gordon is and then they replaced her almost immediately you know a year later with stephanie brown and had stephanie brown carry the book for a while and and be in gotham where barbara gordon belongs and nobody knows which superman we're talking about in every book you know (laughs) are we talking about new 52 superman is that superman dead are we talking about the old pre new 52 superman are we talking about some other version of new superman in the rebirth (laughs) world you know every comic has a different version and it's just you know, incoherent because these comics are broadcasting that this is all one universe and that these are all together and all these characters know each other. But when you're mixing yeah. this many characters from different universes and claiming that this the continuum still the same, it, it doesn't make any fucking sense. It, something's it, going to get lost in translation. And it's really alienating to a lot of fans, I think, especially newcomers, you know, trying to pick up the books for the first time, you know. Yeah. A newcomer comes along and wants to read Wolverine. He picks up and he sees some girl that he's never seen, you know, in X-23. He's like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> and then he tries to find the real Logan and it's this old dude who's talking about how he fucked up Hulk at one point, you know. <laughs> like, what, what is this? I don't know what's going on. I, you know? and, and, and not just that but a lot of the ways that people get into these comics uh, i think 
like for me personally, I got into it because like there were cool video games out in like the 90s and 2000s. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, yeah, this is sweet. I want to read the source material. Yeah. And um, nowadays, uh, like with Wolverine, like if you go and play like Marvel versus Capcom, uh, that's that Wolverine is different from all new Wolverine, which is different from old man Logan, which is different from just about every other iteration except for the core that they decided to abandon yeah so i i you know yes they had an outrageously good year last year with all the events and all the nonsense they were pushing but uh i think a lot of this drop probably has something to do with that across the board with with the two big ones essentially especially you know uh just you know it's not it's it's not that hard to figure out. I I don't think you you you're appeasing kind of older fans that have stuck around for a while to an extent, but then also alienating them with you know a bunch of other <laughs> nonsense <laughs> that they don't want to be a part of. And then on the new spectrum, you have people that are trying to come in and have no idea what the hell is going on and where, how all these characters are in the same universe and why there's several versions of the same person and why there's several versions of the same hero but who are different people on right. top of this and it's just you know it's just a clusterfuck you know yeah uh, that that's probably one of the big reasons why for like new people i would probably push graphic novels or you know if they have the money for it like a full-on trade paperback yeah i would pro- i would probably avoid anything marvel or dc at this moment if you're a newcomer uh, well, current find, Marvel yeah. DC. If, like, if, if you, you, you want to go back in the past yeah, the, and find some I old mean, issues. Obviously. Yeah. But I would say if you're going for, you want to read the newest, latest comics, you might want to go to Image or something. Yeah. And try to hop in there. Cause, uh, unfortunately, right, maybe Vertigo. Yeah. Unfortunately, right now, Marvel and DC have been kind of a mess. Yeah. It's, and, it's all over the spectrum. It really is. Yeah. And, like, I don't know what's going on at corporate at their headquarters with their writing staff and their editors but uh it's starting to show in their in their work yeah so uh hopefully that situation will get better on the dc marvel front good hat good job on everybody else (laughs) dark horse vertigo image miller world keep doing what you're doing oh yeah and that my friends is the news well, now that we're done with that, uh, which books are we going to be hitting up this week? Well, Emery, I thought you'd never ask. This week, we have a whole bevy of comics coming to your local comic shop. Oh, a whole bevy, he says. A bevy. Ooh, let's I'm get not... this bevy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So from Marvel, we have all new Guardians of the Galaxy number eight. We have Astonishing X-Men number two. We have Black Panther and the Crew, number five. We have Generation X, number five. We have Generations, Wolverine, and all-new Wolverine, just to confuse you. (laughs) Number one. We have Gwenpool, number 19. We have Invincible Iron Man, number 10. We have Luke Cage, number four. We have Monsters Unleashed, number five. We have Royals, number six. We have Secret Empire, still going. 
Brave New World, number five. We have Silver Surfer, number 13. We have Spider-Man 2, number two. <laughs> because we don't have enough twos. <laughs> we have, oh, there's two of them. I get it now. <laughs> we have Star Wars, number 34. We have Star Wars Poe Dameron, number 18. We have The Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows, number 10. We have The Mighty Thor, number 22. We have Thor Ragnarok Prelude, number 4. We have Totally Awesome Hulk, number 22. We have U.S. Avengers, number 9. Ultimates 2, number 100. And X-Men Blue, number 9. From Dynamite, we have... Variant, 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 variant. Nothing but variants. So variant week <laughs> from DC, we have <laughs> Aquaman number twenty-seven. We have Batman number twenty-nine. We have Batwoman number six. We have DC Comics Bombshells number thirty-three. We have Dark Knights spelled N-I-G-H-T-S. Metal number one. This is apparently DC's big uh, event. Yeah. For the uh, fall here, the end of summer. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. We have a bunch of metal Batman, essentially. (laughs) Let's all put on armor. Really antiquated armor. (laughs) And next we have Future Quest Showcase number one. We have Green Arrow number 29. We have Green Lanterns number 29. We have Injustice 2 number 8. We have Justice League. Number 27, we have Mad Magazine, number 547. We have Nightwing, number 27. We have Super Sons, number 7. And uh, shout out to the Nightwing cover. It's not just fucking him up for no reason. Hooray! He's not just getting trounced every time. We have, let's see here, I said Super Sons, number 7, and Superman, number 29. We have Teen Titans Go, number 23. We have Trinity, number 12, and Wonder Woman, number 28, to round out DC's week. IDW, we have Dungeons & Dragons, Frost Giants Fury, number 4. We have Haunted Horror, number 29. We have Rom, number 12. We have Revolutionaries, number 7. And that takes care of IDW. From Image, we have... Alpha King number four. We have Bitch Planet triple feature number three. We have <laughs> Black Cloud number five. Genius Cartel number one. Horizon number 13. Invincible. Oh, it's getting close. Number 139. We have Kill the Minotaur number three. We have Regression number four. We have Rockstars number six. We have Spy Seal, number one. And that takes care of image. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I, I don't care what anyone says. Um, <clears throat> for some reason, uh, I, I've really taken to Teen Titans Go. Really? Yeah. The comic or the show? Um, I think more the, more the show than the comic. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I, I think the the reason why I've taken to it as well as I have is because I get it. <laughs> <laughs> the, people want to, 
or at least from what I've seen online, a lot of people complain about it not being Teen Titans. Yeah. And that's exactly the point of the show. This is a... For those of you who haven't seen or maybe saw a little bit and were turned off by it, uh, this is a comedy sketch. <laughs> that, that's basically what that show is. It's like it's, it's not about the classic superheroing or superhero teaming up and all that. This is about a bunch of teenagers that make it very obvious how immature they are. Yeah. <laughs> and other teenage news, Young Justice. Ooh. Come back quick. Come oh, back please. Quick. I love that show. From Dark Horse Comics, we have American Gods, Shadows, number six. We have Briggsland, Lone Wolves, number three. We have Dragon Age, Knight Errant, number four. Those Dragon Age comics are pretty good, especially if you've put, you've, yeah, if you've played the games at all. They're pretty, pretty good comics. Good artwork, too. Uh, we have Halo, Rise of Atriox, number one. I think that was the Hammer guy, right? I think so. Big Hammer alien. And we have Zodiac Star Force, Cries of the Fire Prince, number two. From Boom Studios, we have Adventure Time Comics, number 14. We have Bill and Ted Save the Universe, (laughs) number three. We have God Shaper, number five. We have Misfit City, number four. We have Namesake, number one. And War for the Planet of the Apes, number two. Because <laughs> we still want this to be a thing. <laughs> Look, man, they have another trilogy. Like, they just yeah, finished yeah. another trilogy. Yeah. Why not just yeah. make more money Sure, <laughs> with more comics? Sure, go for because it. Because people are going to buy those, right? All the way. Go for it. Yeah, do that. From Vertigo, we have Astro City, number 46, we have Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, number 11. <laughs> Long title. We have Sandman Special, number one. And The American Way, those above and below, number two. And I think that will about round out the releases for this week. Yeah, that about does it. And that is everything coming to your local comic book shops. Please support your local comic book shops. <laughs> this week. Now, for those unfamiliar, uh, this is uh, the time where we hand out our prestigious, nay, life-changing award of cover of the week Ooh. and variant cover of the week. This week, our cover of the week goes to drumroll. Astonishing X-Men number two. Illustrated by Mike Diodato Jr. And here you see uh, what looks to be Gambit, Wolverine, Beast, uh, Jean Grey, and some mysterious co-person in the background. I'm not sure who that is. And that was uh, uh, Mike Diodato. Yeah. And uh, has the the whole crew sitting at the movie theater as skeletons being blown away by the movie in front of them. Yeah. It, like, it kind of helps that they all have hair that's pushing its wood back. <laughs> like like they literally saw a blast sure. like right in the face. Um, it's funny that we chose that one because there's a variant cover for that that just looks weird. 
just looks really, really weird. It really does, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm specifically talking about Astonishing X-Men number two, the let's see, the character cover that shows Mystique taking on four different forms, pretty much. Uh, looks like she's trying to look like old man Logan, Rogue, Gambit, yeah, and character Phantom called X. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's <clears throat> just weird. But yeah, shout out to them for being our cover of the week. Good job, Mike Diodato Jr. Oh, yeah. And then our variant cover of the week. Drum roll, please. Goes to the comic I was making fun of. Dark Knight's Metal, <laughs> number one. This Jim one, Lee? <laughs> this one done by our lord and savior, Jim Lee. Oh, my favorite. <laughs> and it features a pretty badass-looking Wonder Woman kneeing some bat metal thing in the face. <laughs> Take that, you stupid pseudo-armor. <laughs> but yeah, it's wonderfully drawn. has a cool animation style to it. It's just great work by the man himself, Jim Lee. Yeah. Yeah, there's a reason why I love his work so much. It's pretty hard for him to do wrong, especially yeah. nowadays where most of his work is cover art. Yeah. Uh, and that rounds it out. Thank you again, Astonishing X-Men number two and the Dark Knight's Metal number one Jim Lee variant. For our new friends out there, this is the part of the show where we each uh, discuss a topic of our choosing about the world of comics. Emery, what is your topic this week? My topic is actually one that I'm surprised it took me this long to get to. Video game tie-ins. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <coughs> I think one of the things that I remember growing up, specifically about the video games that I played, is that more times than not, and mind you, when I started playing video games, this was back in the like early 90s. Um, Same here. Oh, yeah. Uh, this was a time when... Most of the games that you would see out, if they weren't Mario or Sonic, were something comic book related, like uh, Batman or Superman. Ninja Turtles. And the X-Men. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's actually how I originally got into comics. Uh, specifically, the first X-Men video game for the Sega Genesis. It, it was not... It was a kind uh, of a yeah. wall crawler, like beat em up right? Yeah. Um, that was, and honestly, in all honesty, that game does not hold up. (laughs) (laughs) Most of these games don't. They don't. But uh, it was because of that game looking so sweet and having all of these interesting characters, or at least interesting looking characters, that I decided to check out these comics. Yeah. And... In the spirit of remembering those games, I want to do a top five video game comic book tie-ins. Oh, wow. This could be fun. All right. Okay. So should we go one each? Just uh, go up the scale from five and up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's... I I love that way. Uh, For my number five, I am going to have it as... Sega Genesis, 
X-Men 2, Clone Wars. All right. So why do you love it so much, and why is it your number five? Uh, It's uh, my number five because it's an old game, so like new games kind of blow it out of the water, but there is this like old school 90s quality to it where the first X-Men game that they released on the Sega Genesis, it, it controlled poorly. Uh, but this second one is like really where those they controllers kind of... weren't all that great either. No, Especially they weren't. The three, the three button variants; Ooh, <laughs> those things would stick so quick. Oh yeah, the, those things were not built to last. But this game, oh my god, it, it the controls were perfect <laughs> <laughs> for a side scroller game where you could pick one of. Six X-Men and eventually Magneto when you get far enough in the game. Uh, This game just knew how these characters played. And, oh, man, it was so good. It just reminds me of, like, when I was a kid, really into the X-Men. Like, uh, with their cartoons, the, uh, the games that I was kind of getting into, and the comics that I started reading right around that time. So yeah, uh, for so how old were you when you started really getting into comics? Uh, I think it was about like eight or nine. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, right around it's like around ninety five for you, right? Yeah, oh, more early. like ninety four or yeah. ninety three. That was uh, a bad time to start. <laughs> 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 you have your Electro Blue Superman and. <laughs> Uh, All yeah. Sorts of nonsense. Yeah, DC was. You had Kyle go- Rayner, though. Yeah, I did have Kyle Rayner, my favorite Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that that like that was the DC book that I was into. Uh, for Marvel, it was very clearly X Men. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the Avengers were pretty much the B team, like right <laughs> around that time, and like you were either Batman. Or the X Men, or you just didn't have that much screen time. <laughs> Spider Man started to become like more of a thing in like animation and yeah. like video games and stuff. But uh, yeah, the, like Batman and the X Men were like the main two. Yeah, for me, mine was pretty similar. Although I was probably a bigger Spider Man fan because that yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit younger, so Spider Man was pushed more than X Men was. Makes sense. <laughs> so yeah, I was definitely big on Batman primarily and then Spider Man and X Men. Those roles kinda reversed as I got older. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up liking X Men a lot more than Spider Man, but Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think maybe your experience in New York might have shifted some of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh well. Well for my number five, I have to give it to uh the SNES classic, Turtles in Time. Ooh. I remember this is the uh, first Ninja Turtles game I ever played. Uh, I had an NES and uh, a Sega Genesis. And then my, uh, or I think his name was Trent. It was like this 18 or 19-year-old guy that lived with his mom. Oh, yeah. He lived in an apartment next door to us. And when I was a little kid, I had a very bad habit of just wandering into other people's <laughs> apartments and saying hi. <laughs> and I'd chill out with them. And his mom and him just kind of like took to me and like, he taught me how to ride a bike and like all these other things and he had a super nintendo over there yeah 
and like I would go over to his apartment to play like the Super Nintendo games that I couldn't <laughs> play on my Genesis and yeah uh, I'd bring my Genesis over so he could play some Super Nintendo stuff but uh one of the games he had was Turtles in Time and I remember just loving the way you could take Donatello and flip people up on the screen you know <laughs> I thought that was the coolest <laughs> thing ever and so I would always get Donatello with his giant staff and just flick people onto the screen and I don't know it was oh. one of those kind of old beat-em-ups that go across the screen had really cool music and cool art style and yeah i just love how creative they were with the game i'm sure if i went back and played it it probably wouldn't hold up very well but i probably not (laughs) most people hold it as kind of the classic and it it got really hard towards the end there you know yeah there was some uh surfing levels that got a little hard and (laughs) sewer surfing i remember that but yeah, Turtles in Time, that was a great game. I I really loved that game. Oh my god. I had a lot of fun. That's uh, that was like right at the end of the heyday of the Turtles. I think they were making the <laughs> the real life turtle movies with yeah. the costumes and stuff. <laughs> which I still say are better than the new ones with Michael Bay. Easily. Yeah. <laughs> Easily better. Um but which the, wow. Yeah. Wow, guys. How did you mess that up? They really lost it there. <laughs> but uh I just really love that game, and I have a lot of nostalgia tied up into going over to this <laughs> poor woman's apartment and like sitting in front of her son's game system and playing, yeah, Super Nintendo Turtles in Time. Oh my god, that's that's incredible. Um, it's funny you mentioned that that game because uh, the the third live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. I always called it by that title, Turtles in Time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they time traveled, so it makes sense. Yeah. Even though I went back and looked, and it's like, that's not the actual like original title of that movie. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> that being said... That's it... the one where they go back and become samurais and <laughs> stuff, right? Samurais, as opposed to the ninja? <laughs> Wait I... a minute. <laughs> yeah. I think they were trying to... like do the whole back to the future thing where the first two are like pretty fun and enjoyable and then the third one's like let's go way back <laughs> make a mockery of history yeah like, all right cool <laughs> i don't like it but it's fine this is what the japanese were like right <laughs> no <laughs> i think they still get pizza somehow right <laughs> no <laughs> like japanese pizza <laughs> Uh, they do make um, an attempt at making pizza. <laughs> it quickly turns into a frisbee <laughs> because uh, we realize they're still teenagers and none of them know how to cook. Cowabunga, dude. <laughs> Radical. Sorry, what's your number four? Uh, my number four would actually be Spider-Man 2 for the PlayStation 2. That's a pretty popular one. That's one of I I don't yeah I didn't play that one, but everybody seems to love that game. Uh, that was actually the first Spider-Man game that had been released that had realistic web swinging in it, which is why everyone loved it so much. It, it wasn't the combat that they were well, into. Well, it gave you free roam, right? Yes, that's the big thing. Yeah, the, you you had free roam over all of new york yeah well manhattan not the the rest of the five boroughs 
Spoiler alert, my next choice is going to also be a Spider-Man game. <laughs> and it's an early one, but it did have the realistic web swinging. The only problem is it wasn't free roam. It was it's like on a path. down this linear path, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, for Spider-Man 2, uh, which uh, unlike the PlayStation 1 Spider-Man, which was just comics and or cartoon based, uh, this one was specifically a movie tie-in. And that actually helped the game a lot because I, I don't know if you guys have seen Spider-Man 2. If you haven't, you should watch it easily. The Spider-Man I, 2 or Amazing Spider-Man 2? Spider-Man 2. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man 2. Don't put Amazing on there. Just, just clarifying. <laughs> it, it, thank you for that, just in case you know. People completely new. Jamie Foxx, Electro. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, okay, I say that he wasn't bad in the movie. It was just a poorly written story. I digress. Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man and I believe Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. Sounds legit. Yeah. Oh, it's legit. <laughs> it, it's so legit that I will go as far as to say it was, at one time, the best Spider-Man movie ever made. And then <laughs> Spider-Man Homecoming came out yeah. and made me realize what a Spider-Man movie should be. Spoiler alert for that review. Yeah. We liked it a lot. Oh, yeah. We liked it a lot. And you'll hear more about that later. And Emery misled me. <laughs> he made me think he didn't like it a lot. And then he totally did. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, again... More on that later. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this was, honestly, somehow this game managed to encapsulate more of Spider-Man <laughs> than the movie did. Yeah. And, mind you, that game had, like, about a dozen or so hours to do that. And, to its benefit, it does that very well. Uh, I think the the biggest thing with uh, being able to free roam around Manhattan is you finally get to feel like what it would be like for Spider-Man to actually swing through Manhattan. And they get a little bit more complicated with what he does with the web swinging. And it, it just it plays like a dream. <laughs> yeah, it's I, so good. I know it's one of the most beloved games on the PlayStation 2. Uh, just from following games media and stuff, but I just never got around to it, I guess. Yeah, it's a... Nowadays, it's kind of a hidden gem. Most people don't know about it. Yeah, it was It was pretty tough for me to stray from Final Fantasies and GTAs <laughs> and the PlayStation 1 and 2 era. Nothing against those games. That's pretty that's, much exclusively that's... <laughs> what I played on those systems. Th those games are good. <laughs> Spider-Man 2 was great, though. <laughs> Maybe I'll go back and check it out. We'll see. Yeah. For my, uh, what was that, your number four? Yep. So this is my number four? Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, like I said, I'm going to choose Spider-Man, but the original Spider-Man game for the PlayStation, the original PlayStation. Ooh. Uh, fun fact, it was uh, using the Tony Hawk Pro Skater engine. Is that right? So you could have a skateboard Spider-Man. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Spider-Man makes a cameo in, like, Pro Skater. It's one of those. One of the Pro Skaters. Yeah, it's like, like an, an unlockable thing. Yeah, he showed up once. Wolverine showed up once. Darth Maul showed up once. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, uh, the original Spider-Man, it, again, it's just another one of those things that probably doesn't hold up. But I remember when I first played this game, I was just blown away that I could be, like, a 3D Spider-Man playing in this 3D world doing, like, all the things I would imagine Spider-Man could do, you know? Yeah. You, know, was able, you were able to go on the roof and ambush people. You were able to, you know, use web to chase people down. I think the first level, you're chasing, uh, as a Vulcan, like, through the... Um... I, I I know there's a a chase with Venom at one That's point. That's at the very end, yeah. Yeah. At the uh, beginning, you're chasing either Green Goblin or Vulcan or somebody through the city. Yeah. And they end up I, going into a bank. I think that's Green Goblin. But uh, basically everybody in the Sp- Spider-Man pantheon shows up at some point, and then the very end is just awesome. You have this awesome like last fight with uh, Venom and Carnage, and then you end up basically going fuck you carnage and blowing up the whole place and then you have to web swing through a big huge kind of exploding maze <laughs> yeah swing your way you. out that was really really cool and really i don't know unique for the time and it just Can't. i remember ending on that big note and just being blown away like this is the greatest game ever yeah. <laughs> it just got you amped <laughs> yeah it was it was excellent it gave me you know the first taste of being it you know an actual Spider-Man in a video game, you know, oh, just man. had yeah. all the cameos I wanted, you know, <laughs> it was still a lot of fun. I'm sure I got, you know, rose, rose colored glasses looking back on it, but you know, probably, but you it know, nostalgia, nostalgia counts for something. It was a lot of fun. So Emery, what's your number three? My number three is actually going back to the super Nintendo Maximum Carnage. Wow. Yeah. I remember this one. Yeah. Um, Another beat-em-up. Yeah. When you take characters like Spider-Man and Venom and tether them to the ground, this seems like a game that shouldn't work on paper. (laughs) But somehow they managed to make the uh, side-scrolling beat-em-up nature of it like really, really tight. Uh, the music was like it, it just got me going. There's like I think there were a couple of tracks that very closely resembled songs from like metal albums that I've heard. Like I think there's a, a song that straight up sounds like something from Black Sabbath. But um <laughs> it, yeah, this was there's something about that game that just viscerally just it got me. It's like <laughs> You're Spider-Man, and there is basically the murderous uh, alien son of the Venom symbiote attaches its, itself to a psychopath who then goes on a murder spree and then gets a bunch of other villains to also go on a murder spree. Yeah. <laughs> and your, your goal is to stop it. <laughs> uh, with that basic premise... That was actually based on an actual run of comics for Spider-Man, where characters like the Fantastic Four, uh, Captain America, Black Cat, uh, Mobius the Vampire, is like there isn't like a very assorted cast that you can actually uh, get like an icon for, and they'll like show up in the game. Yeah, uh, it was so much fun. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I don't know. I played it a little sparingly. Again, I was always playing Turtles in Time on 
my neighbor's yeah. <laughs> you know, SNES in our apartment complex, but uh, yeah, he had Maximum Carnage there, and I remember picking it up and playing it a few times. It was, it was pretty fun. Oh, yeah. God, I, I remember that game so fondly. <laughs> Any other things to add to it? Um, apart from just wanting that game to be remade in the current day, uh, no. No, that, that, that game's... Uh, there's a reason it's my number three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, for my number three, ooh, it's a tough one now. We're getting into the nitty gritty. Ooh. Ooh. I feel like another Telltale game will take over after this, but for now, I'm going to say The Fables, Wolf Among Us ah, from Vertigo. Okay. Uh, and Telltale, Telltale <laughs> games, and they're terrible engine but <laughs> that was just a really fun game for me i i i'd been aware of fables before from vertigo but i hadn't actually picked any of them up you know it just looked you know the art style was cool or whatever and then playing through it i just really loved the whole like noir mystery solving thing which i think the telltale games specifically excel at you know i don't when they're kind of taking like actiony murdery <laughs> you know <laughs> slaughter fest types of stories like game of thrones or you know yeah badlands or whatever i don't think it translates quite as well especially with that engine you know yeah uh, but with the slow kind of plotting noir mystery uh really picking things through and trying to evaluate all these characters i think that's when it shines the brightest and uh I I don't know for sure if maybe I would I benefited from not having read the Fables comics prior, so it was all just dipping my feet into a brand new world for me, and may, I didn't have you know pre-made assumptions about some of the characters, you know, that probably you know could have given away the ending. Yeah. Um, I don't know this for sure, but I I'm sure a lot of the characters are very similar to how they were in the comics, and uh, specifically characters like. The mayor and the local crime bosses and yeah, Bigs, Bigsby himself and just, you know, I don't know. It just put me in a really cool scenario with really cool, unique characters and a really unusual setting that you wouldn't expect. You know, these kind of fairy tale tr- creatures hiding out in New York City trying to make a life without revealing themselves, you know. Yeah. And it just leads to a really cool dynamic and I just love I do love the Telltale games. I wish they would make a better engine, but I do love those games and I I still have to play the Batman Telltale series and uh, probably the upcoming sequel after that. So I need to get through that before more gets spoiled for me. I've had a few spoilers sent my way. Yeah. But I really just love those slow plotting storylines and I'd say I'd say those games are probably the best way to experience a comic book story outside of the actual comic book. And I, I say that over movies, over TV shows, over books, you know, I, I think the telltale games are like the perfect medium and the perfect style of storytelling for yeah. comic books. I mean, even the art style, they use yeah. cell shaded art, you know, hand drawn art style for everything. And I think it's, I think it's the perfect way to experience comic book media outside of comic books. I think I'm picking up what you're laying down. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have not checked out the Fable series, but I think you sold me on it. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really interesting, and it, I mean, you can probably get it for five bucks by now. You know. Oh yeah. Super fun. Anything else to add to uh, your love for this uh, Fable title? No. <laughs> <laughs> Literally nothing. <laughs> All right. I'll, uh, let's move on to our number two. My number two is actually... This is a game that didn't get nearly as much play as it should have, honestly, in my opinion. Um, X-Men Legends 2 Rise of Apocalypse. Is this the one where you have a choice of three unique characters? No. Or is that a different one? That's a different one. That's X-Men Destiny. And that is a game oh, okay. that yeah. I... That's the one I'm thinking of. I, I will list that in my bottom five <laughs> uh, worst comic book tie-in games I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It was pretty <laughs> bad. I pretty much... That that one prevented me from ever buying an X-Men game again. More or less. Yeah. Outside of Marvel versus Capcom. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, about that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll see if they show up ever again. Um, yeah, Mart... X-Men Legends 2. Not the first one, the second one. Uh, the first one played, like, kind of like a more involved game of Gauntlet. Where it's like, you and maybe three other people go along this map and kill everything in sight. Yeah. Um, and maybe, like, your powers do something besides just hit shit. Um, <laughs> in X-Men Legends 2, they took that formula and really tweaked the hell out of it by giving everyone a more expanded power set. Like, uh, you could see more accurately all of the things that they could be doing with their powers. Mm-hmm. And the cast of characters was a lot more varied. Um, and it just played so well. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That was one of those top-down action RPGs, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that game most specifically because instead of just strictly following the... Uh, ultimate universe which is what the first game did yeah uh the second game uh took some liberties with some characters that they hadn't gotten to in the ultimate universe yet and decided to maybe change up some of their costumes so that they don't all look like they're wearing the same (laughs) shit (laughs) so what system was that for that was for i believe the xbox and playstation 2 okay cool yeah, that's one I wouldn't have considered. Hadn't played it, so. Uh, is there anything you want to add to that? Um. <laughs> uh, apart from just mentioning like other 
tie-in characters that you could get through like playing on the oh it, it there was also a PSP version of that game where you could get uh, several more characters oh neat which uh, included cable and cannonball and like maybe a couple of other characters that I'm forgetting but um, being able to unlock Deadpool in a video <laughs> game for like the first time ever and also weirdly enough play as iron man because i think we were like starting to make him more of a thing uh yeah it it just worked cool yeah maybe i'll check it out uh for my number two i had to struggle with these top two uh but i think i'm gonna go with uh batman arkham asylum the first of the arkham games oh came out for playstation 3 xbox 360 and uh, I love I, those games. I don't think anybody would argue that those games aren't excellent, if not great. You know, just amazing, well polished, great voice acting, just all around amazing games. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the Arkham City that was the one that uh, was like game of the year. Yeah, uh, the yeah. first one got those nominations, but it, nobody picked it up because, uh, again, it's a superhero game. Like, who's going to pick it up? And then when people caught on, they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, shit, this game's great. We should And then they this. made another yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> so the second time around, they had the ability to give more praise, I think, uh, and people were more aware of it. Oh, yeah. But uh, for me personally, uh, I just think Asylum has everything just just in a very well-framed, well-designed, compact story, you know, learning your story where it's with uh, Arkham City and Arkham Origins and way more with uh, Arkham Knight. Everything's just kind of scattered and dilutes the story and dilutes the the fun of the atmosphere. Right. Uh, Arkham City is you know all of these games are great you know they're all amazing games you know i'd happily play all of them again and i think uh arkham city specifically perfected the the combat mechanics uh because i did i love doing the like the challenge rooms and stuff oh yeah <laughs> and i love that you could have like nightwing and stuff like that in the later games and the challenge room setting but, <laughs> uh the first one just had that perfect story and just had like all the mystery behind everything that was going on. And yeah, it gets a little bit of crap for that last boss battle or whatever, but I, it was still fun, you know? Oh yeah. They had to put something there and you know, I'm not one of these people that thinks like, you know, the halo four ending was great because (laughs) it wasn't a boss battle. (laughs) Yeah. a single quick time event, and that's that's the climax of your entire story. And that, oh Jesus! So yeah, Halo Four, screw you! It wasted so much of my time for a nonsense story that didn't matter. For an ending that was that was just bullshit. It's about ten seconds long. Oh, Ugh. it hurts. Oh, that sucked. But uh, yeah, it's just. A, a perfect game it has the perfect amount of replayability the perfect you know amount of secrets to look out for and bury yourself in the story in this world more and more and it's just so atmospheric all the way around and you know arkham city had some i'd say better boss fights you know like uh mr freeze and stuff like that but no before 
Arkham, nobody had really done it like that. Nobody had done it that well and that cohesively. Oh, yeah. That much, you know, ex- external gameplay along with the primary gameplay that was not centered around multiplayer. That was around, you know, creating your own experiences in these challenge rooms and these boss fights and seeking out these mysteries and these question marks and, you know, the new gadgets. You could upgrade all your stuff and it's just such a good story and all the voice acting obviously with Mark Hamill, you know, and Kevin Conroy leading the way. It's just amazing. And they they most of the people they brought back from, you know, Bruce Tim's, you know, the animated series. And oh yeah. It was just the perfect Oh my god. The thing I love about Batman. <laughs> uh my only wish I had was I wish there had been more, you know, appearances by like Robin Batgirl, Nightwing, you know. The Bat family. The Bat family like they did a little bit in City and a lot more in uh, Arkham Knight. But, uh, you know, I didn't need to play as them or anything. I just, I just wanted, wanted them to show up. I just wanted an acknowledgement that they <laughs> existed, you know. But, uh, yeah, it was just a great game. And I, it falls just short of my top spot. Because I am a big fan of a certain type of fighting game. Clues <laughs> <laughs> to my next one. Oh yeah, so many clues. Um, with that being said, it, crowning achievement from Emery himself. The number one comic book tie-in game. It's a tie. <laughs> <laughs> is that allowed? <laughs> Judges, uh, is that allowed? Uh, they're ruling they have to fight for it. Okay. Um, <laughs> Get the studios together. Yep. Uh, okay. So it's a tie <clears throat> because um, I got Injustice 2 and that game plays like a dream. Mm-hmm. And it's very customizable, which I like and adds longevity to the game. But then there's Arkham Knight. (laughs) See, that's surprising because I thought Arkham Knight was probably the worst of them, including Origins. Uh, I would say Arkham Knight is my number one, specifically because this is as close to being the Batman as you're ever going to get. <laughs> That's fair. Get the Batmobile, get the brake shit. Yeah. Uh it you you can run into people and totally not kill them. <laughs> Shoot them with missiles. Shoot them with missiles or bullets that are rubber and feel like you're hit by a gorilla. Yeah. Or, you know, other I mean, they work around that with a lot of tanks and stuff like you're not killing anybody there's no one in these yeah except for that last one which (laughs) haphazardly has death stroke in it as opposed to actually we don't talk about that but uh in spite of that this that game felt oh my god there's so many things going on with that game it had the uh, elements of nightfall to it, which were like this is this is the only scenario that I could ever possibly think of where Bruce Wayne would actually give up being Batman forever. It 
Now, you might be thinking, oh, he said Batman Forever. Oh, that's a terrible movie. <laughs> Fuck that. Um, <laughs> the debut of Batnips. Yeah. Uh, thank Batman you. Forever. Uh, thank you, Schumacher. Um, I like this game more than just about any other superhero-related game because I feel like Batman when I play it. <laughs> I mean, uh, Arkham Arkham Asylum had elements of that with, like, a very specific story to it. Arkham City expanded on that with also a very specific story to it and, like, a more broadened area of influence. But Arkham Knight gave you Gotham City, or as I like to call it, Fantasy Chicago. <laughs> I dare anyone to prove me wrong. Um, You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, it, it like from the flying to the driving to the occasionally meeting up with one of your sidekicks that just happens to be in town to the dealings with all of the rogues gallery. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, and by all I mean you pretty, had to get the de- Yeah, you had to get the DLC to get like the full experience but it was so well done in my opinion it was probably the gameplay wise best crafted batman game to date wow yeah that's interesting you choose that i don't i i love the game but uh for me i thought arkham knight just diluted it way too much diluted the story which again, we kind of knew what it was going to be. Yeah, they continually <laughs> tried to lie about it. You know, it, it was it, painfully it, obvious what the. It had a lot of stories happening all at once. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the city was so big, and it's just you know, which is great usually, but when it's as dense as it was, it's like every ten seconds, help! <laughs> every ten seconds, <laughs> help me! <laughs> <laughs> oh, do I need to go interrogate this guy and save this person and do this? No. Is this a part of another quest? No. And I do agree with a lot of like reviewers at the time that the Batmobile just like took up too much of the game. And it, I mean, it was fine, but I wasn't trying to play a tank simulator. You know, <laughs> it, uh, it. I did like it, yeah. the like the, the Riddler tracks and stuff where you had to like figure out how to get through the Riddler track and fast enough. That stuff was kind of fun and like. The kind of like cop interceptions when you're trying to like get these guys like that was kind of fun too. But like, oh, it's the bat. Yeah, <laughs> having to deal with every ten seconds. Help! <laughs> yeah. like, I don't want to help. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I just want to get through the story. <laughs> it's taking me it, an hour to get there. It, it was very much nonstop. Yeah, like something was happening on every corner of that map, mm-hmm. which is an impressive feat. But for those just trying to get through the story, that that's overwhelming. And I had to continually just, like, take breaks from the game for, like, a week or two just because it was so exhausting to play. And I felt like I wasn't making any progress. And I, was, <laughs> I wasn't enjoying the game. You know, I wanted to enjoy the game and the story and all this. And I, I don't, you know, there were some surprises in it, and, you know, here or there. But for the most part, I was just like, well, I, need, I saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool, I guess, you know. And, uh, like, there were a lot of cameos, but I felt like the cameos weren't quite as good as, say, Arkham City. Yeah. Um, and then the it, DLC, the DLC'd you to death. 
with that game. They really did. <laughs> yeah, they did. That so. being said, um, it having Nightwing actually have a campaign, which gave me hope for them maybe doing something Nightwing-centric, mm-hmm. which they're not. I wasn't a fan of his mask, though. They kind of yeah, had the, the face... Like, kind of cover ear face i don't know <laughs> this is a weird look for him right i they, liked i liked how he looked in arkham city yeah uh they had uh and this is another thing where they dlc'd you to death uh a plethora of skins for these playable characters yeah uh, which is always cool yeah uh i specifically liked the uh the new 52 skin for dick grayson just because, like, it, it was just, like, the basic mask. Sure, it had the red thing, which I had to... Thank you. Yeah. Cut that out. Yep. Edit and post. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there was the... Um... He had the basic mask... Uh, the red across the red bird emblem across the chest, which yeah. I had to desperately not think about the movie Batman and Robin because of that. <laughs> I don't know. I like the red. I think the red looks cool. Yeah, I like the blue too. But I, 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 I can, I'm one of the few people that prefers the red for Nightwing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it looks cool and it makes sense because he was Robin. He he wore red a lot. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, I. I did actually prefer that costume to his Arkham Knight costume. Yeah, so that's a that's a good point there. And I'm guessing Injustice 2 was your tie. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. <laughs> that game. <laughs> I, I didn't think that they would knock it out of the park the way that they did, given how Injustice went. Which was a decent game, but there's something about the art style that was just kind of, kind of a turnoff. Yeah, it was a little muddy. Yeah, graphically. <clears throat> yeah, but this one, this game somehow managed to make all of these characters feel real. Mind you, the story is, in some parts, a bit much, but it it's still probably one of the better stories that DC has put out. I mean, NetherRealm Studios. (laughs) (laughs) That being said, DC, take a look at what they did. Take notes. (laughs) Yeah. uh, That brings me to my top game, which is the first Injustice. And it's more of a default thing because I haven't played Injustice 2 yet. Yeah. But, uh, for, I'm a big fan of fighting games and, uh, particularly ones that aren't the kind of chaotic, you know, tag team, multiple people, you know, kind of like the Capcom ones. Yeah, Marvel versus Capcom, we're looking at you. <laughs> so, like, I'm kind of big on, like, Guilty Gear and, you know, the NetherRealm, the newer NetherRealm fighters and that sort of thing. And uh, I just think the first Injustice it kind of finally put together that perfect combination of what I wanted from basically mortal Kombat versus dc which is a terrible game Uh, finally i had like all these super powered heroes going at it and a kind of 2d you know 2.5d plane where you know i could have these awesome fighting mechanics alongside some of my favorite characters and you know while the story in the game 
is a little goofy at parts <laughs> where it's like you know they they clearly were budgeting you know <laughs> the number of characters they could have in a scene and you know yeah they were clear they knew this game was a risk so they weren't really dumping the money in like they probably should have um into production for this game but it created one of my favorite lines of comics ever which is the injustice year one through five comic books and specifically up through four, I think. I think four is where the writing cast switched. But uh, it's just a great game. And as far as my favorite comic book game, it, it creates a really cool dynamic with the Joker doing something so vicious to Superman. Not because, you know, it, he wanted to prove he could. It was more because he wanted to show Batman, this is why I fuck with you, Batman, because your other guys are way too easy. You know, <laughs> like this dude set off a nuke in the middle of a city. He <laughs> he fear gassed Superman into believing that his pregnant wife Lois was Doomsday, the guy who killed him one time. Yeah, <laughs> and made her. He took her up into space and fucking <laughs> murdered his wife, his pregnant wife, because of this fear gas laden with kryptonite. That's fucking brutal. <laughs> And this is just, you know, this is just the perfect Joker just showing that I'm a step ahead of you and you won't see it coming. And this is why, Batman, you are my nemesis and not this super-powered asshole over here. Right. Because he's just too easy. (laughs) And then you cap it off with Superman, you know, viciously just fucking murdering him. And understandably so, you know. Oh, yeah. Just Fucking murdering him, ripping his hand through his chest and crushing his heart in a very Mortal Kombat style. Yeah, that was probably... uh, That that was the thing that sort of clinched it for me. This was the logical progression of what would happen if the Joker got his hands on Superman. Yeah. The Joker won. Like, in his own way... The Joker wins. Yeah. And that's typically the case. And uh, I don't know. There are problems I have with the art design specifically. The art design is really weird. Like Joker, his head just looks really weird. And like Wonder Woman like has a super long neck that like doesn't fit on her body. And like yeah, her animations look kind of awkward. And graphically, I mean, at the time it was fine. But like graphically, it doesn't really hold up very well. Yeah. Whereas I think Injustice Two will probably hold up for a while. Oh yeah. Um, uh, green arrows arms look like he duct taped ham hocks to himself. Yeah, and I I think a lot of that was probably a budget thing where you know Nether Realms was like, well, this, we're ta- kind of taking a risk on this, and DC's like, yeah, well, we we hope this is a good story so we can make some comics off of it, you know. Yeah. And, but then everything worked out, and it like systematically the gameplay is great. It's just a ton of fun to play. I love that they have Nightwing. <laughs> Justice Two does not have. Uh, and I I would usually play as Nightwing or Aquaman, and just like have tons of fun playing against people online and playing through the story several times and whatever else. And so that's my favorite. I I will say this, uh, for injustice two, there is a way to kind of play as Nightwing. Uh, Damien, he gets a staff. (laughs) No, I want Nightwing. (laughs) I want Dick Grayson Nightwing. (laughs) Period. (laughs) 
And that's the one criticism I do have of that Injustice comic line. The way they get rid of Dick Grayson. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I think that might add to the long-running suspicion that DC just has it out for Nightwing. They just yeah. they want him dead. I don't know if it's Dan Didio or what, but Jeff Johns maybe. I mean, people feel like Jeff Johns doesn't like Nightwing, but like they just always want to fucking kill Dick Grayson <laughs> in the like most ridiculous ways, you know? Right. And here's the I thing: I thought you dodged it. It's like yeah, you fell and you snapped your neck on a rock. <laughs> like fuck you! <laughs> They're in this a is jail. How, this is how we kill Nightwing. They're in a prison. The with guy swept tra- floors. The guy trained by Batman. <laughs> the guy who, because he's trained by Batman, should be aware of his surroundings at all times. Not only trained by Batman, but trained the longest by Batman. <laughs> he gets hit by his, <laughs> this fucking kid throwing an escrima stick at his head and making him fall over on a rock. Uh, the rock is what killed him (laughs) we're not even gonna put damien at fault we're just gonna make it the rock that's on the ground uh yeah i'll say this yeah that was dumb yeah because damien is a premier character in injustice 2 there are some characters like batman and new uh, dlc character starfire that will when you have a matchup between Damien and either one of these characters, uh, they will talk about Dick Grayson. Good. And how he killed him. Dick. <laughs> and with that being said, <clears throat> I, I find it, and this is a minor tangent, I find it a little weird that they're really wanting to like make it look like, oh, we're going to fuck him up and we're, we're going to kill him. We already killed Jason Todd. <laughs> <laughs> we already... Banish Tim Drake for whatever fucking reason. Oh, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I, I, I swear that they they don't like the Robins. I don't know what it is, but they don't like the Robins. I mean, they really don't like Dick Grayson. Like, everybody hated Jason Todd because Jason Todd was a douche. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just face the facts. There's a reason why fans, the fans, elected to kill him. Yeah. Which. Gladly, they did that, because otherwise we wouldn't have Red Hood. Yeah. Who's a great character. Yeah. 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 Love Red Hood. Oh, well. Does that wrap everything up? Uh, Yeah. I think think we went through our top five. All right. Well, I guess I'll hop onto my topic then. Ooh. What Uh, you got for us? My topic is more or less, you know, been addressed several times, but my topic would be who from different comic franchises would you cross... And make a story with together. Ah. And now there's obviously been several versions of this already. There's been, you know, the DC versus Avengers, you know, the Justice League versus Avengers storyline where you had these characters fighting for something big. Not like the weird mashup, like the amalgam verse. Yeah, where you have the Batman, Wolverine. (laughs) Dark Bat. Dark Bat. Spider Boy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Things got weird in the 90s, folks. They yeah, got real the, weird. The, the 90s were not a great time to start comics. I don't know. <laughs> it was a weird time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's been some great ones out there. I mean, the latest ones I can think of is, like, Batman and the Ninja Turtles. Oh, uh, yeah. That was kind of fun. And, uh, you know, 
a different kind of character dynamics you'd have if you didn't have this barrier of marketability with Marvel, DC, Image, Vertigo, you name it. Uh, and the one I kind of think of is more of the occult, and I kind of think of like a really smart ass, really cynical Constantine. Oh, thank God! Coming together <laughs> with a dark Doctor Strange or something along those lines. Oh. And where you have this kind sounds of sounds brilliant already. You kind of have this ultra douche egotistical, <laughs> you know, Constantine, and then you got the ultra douche <laughs> egotistical <laughs> full of himself, you know, Doctor Strange. They're both masters of mysticism in their own right. Yeah, and both of them coming together through some kind of, you know, comic logic. <laughs> you know, you, you they've could, crossed universes. <laughs> you could very easily have like the two of them end up in our world or something where they're trying to chase down some kind of mystic or something that's causing problems in all the universes or something. And yeah. Just have them combine and, you know, maybe you can make it even like a team book and have like Dr. Fate like trying to corral the two idiots together. <laughs> you know, the Dr. Fate's getting them from each dimension to each dimension, like being their kind of caretaker while Constantine and Dr. Strange kind of bicker among each other <laughs> and try to solve these problems. Oh, um, yeah. I really like the, the story idea. So I, I just think that could be a really cool dynamic, especially if it's framed in kind of a noir type of aspect, you know, where you have these two kind of back alley characters, you know, just, dealing with the occult and dealing with what goes bump in the night yeah oh yeah and uh i mean there's a comic that kind of had a cool concept like this it's called uh gotham by midnight i think and that was a really good comic series and, oh yeah. yeah and uh you could just have some really cool dynamics and some cool cameos you know with both the marvel and the dc universe and you know some vertigo characters or whatever you know so that's like my ideal one that I can think of right off the bat. Do you have any ideas? I do have one. And this would be one where it very kind of tongue-in-cheek uh, addresses that these characters may or may not be rip-off versions of each other. Uh, this would be Batman and Superman versus Moon Knight in the Century. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that could be interesting now a crazy moon night <laughs> oh it, I, I mean by crazy moon night you just mean moon night yeah that'd be uh <laughs> that'd be a weird dynamic yeah see here's the the idea that i have for this um so batman and superman somehow get because of the multiverse and boom tubes or what have you. Yeah. They get pulled across dimensions and are pulled into uh, specific points in the Marvel Universe. Like Batman, for some reason, just shows up in Manhattan at night where there's this attack that's about to happen and he goes to stop it. But before he can get to it, this guy who... And I never thought I'd say this. This guy who's dressed like the moon shows up. <laughs> because that's a good idea at nighttime. <laughs> uh, this guy dressed like the moon shows up, uh, stops these guys who are doing whatever crime you would normally have in a back alley. And then the two are like, 
it's a new vigilante in town. <laughs> <laughs> Batman, for some reason, thinks that it's impossible that he's gone over to some other universe and thinks he's still in Gotham because it's a sprawling city. Yeah. High rises and whatnot, back alleys, because for some reason Manhattan has those. <laughs> um, and then uh, in a different part of this world, it would be... Instead of it just being out and out the century, we pull out his, like his arch nemesis, which is his split personality, the Void, <laughs> otherwise known as the same fucking guy <laughs> who's just evil. <laughs> yes, yes, and I'll tell you why. Uh, the thing with Superman is that he's supposed to be. As exactly as strong as he needs to be for whatever given situation. This would be a situation in which we really put that to the test with Marvel's version of this character. Yeah, um, who is extremely OP. He He's so OP, it's ridiculous. Uh, we're talking like breathing in space, OP. Uh, which is one of the things that he did when he ripped carnage in half <laughs> because that was a thing that happened once reasons y- <laughs> reasons <laughs> uh yeah but uh when and mind you the sentry himself when he's not the void still has some mental issues going on when he becomes the void he's crazier than a fucking sack of hammers <laughs> And watching Superman having to deal with this guy while also feeling bad for him because he can tell there's something wrong with this guy. It's like this becomes the villain that he's always trying to save. Mm-hmm. Which would be... He kind of sees a glimpse of himself, you know? Sees what would happen if he went full over that, you know, insanity threshold. Yeah. As a hero. Right. Like, yeah. th- this is what happens when absolute power goes out of control mm-hmm. uh and just seeing where the story goes from there and then maybe having batman kind of catch up with superman somewhere and the two of them kind of learn how to deal with these two characters who are both kind of nuts <laughs> <laughs> and then having I'm not uh, nuts. <laughs> You're wearing a bat costume. All right, I'm a little nuts. <laughs> you want to get nuts? <laughs> Come on, let's get nuts. <laughs> and then Moon Knight would be the guy who's like in his full costume and with like brass knuckles on. Is like I brought nuts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it would just be an insane story that for sure it, yeah like this would be like the blockbuster action type of story yeah <laughs> i don't know i i think that's pretty cool i think one more thing i might think might be cool depending on how they did it oh yeah if they did like all-star western and logan yeah and had like the original version of logan as an adult you know <laughs> somehow across the streams and he's in like the old west instead of you know <laughs> Canada, <laughs> <laughs> where he belongs. No, yeah, he doesn't belong in Canada. He literally belongs in the old west. Yeah, and I think that would be a really cool, you know, have a 
was it Jonah? Jonah Hex. Jonah Hex. That's what I'm thinking of. Have Jonah Hex and Logan, like the original Logan, before he got Weapon X. You know, <laughs> just fucking taking uh, it on in the West, trying to figure out how to get him home or something. You know. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, he was actually alive around that time yeah. too. He was born in supposedly the 1880s, I think, 1870s. Uh, yeah, somewhere in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be the perfect amalgamation of have like kind of Jonah Hex in the you know very late 1800s and have a a young you know Logan go yeah. back <laughs> and just be like with him, a dude with a nasty scar and some hairy asshole with chops. Yeah, <laughs> just... I just think that aesthetically they they would fit very well together. You know. Oh yeah, it was like as much as Canada claims Wolverine, <laughs> you know, the frontier of Canada. Ooh, Ooh. I uh, think Wolverine was meant for the Wild West. Yes, he was not the apologetic Great White North. <laughs> <laughs> um, Damn, sick Canada burn. Oh, uh, oh Canada, <laughs> the things I could say about you, uh, Wolverine. Would be perfect in in the old west. Um, I think the the thing that kind of gets me about that story is, uh, what would it be like if this younger but an adult Wolverine, who just escaped from his house where he killed his dad, mm. or <laughs> he killed his real dad after he watched his fake dad die in front of his face, and then popped claws. These nasty little bone spurs that mm-hmm. count as powers, I guess. <laughs> um, take that character and just take him out west instead of, you know, just taking him further north and making him. Uh, what the hell did they do to him in Origins? They make him a demolitions expert. I don't remember. I I, I, I remember that he. They had him as a miner. <laughs> Makes sense. You blow up, you heal. You're good. Yeah. Like, he'll always come back from the mines. <laughs> uh, yeah, taking that character and instead of having him go to the mines and uh, pine after this redhead who still weirdly doesn't want anything to do with him, um, take him out west. Let him be the gallivanting cowboy type. And he could very easily have another typical Wolverine love interest, you know? Oh, yeah. He falls in love with some Native American woman on the frontier or something, you know? And typical Uh, Wolverine fashion. And then for some reason, they can't be together. Yeah, (laughs) more different Silver Fox. Yeah, that would be quintessential wolverine logan i think it would make a great story with jonah hex next to him you know yeah and have the the villains be like a saber tooth quentin turnbull setup where it's just like you got one feral asshole and then you got one guy who's just been just killing old civil war soldiers yeah occasionally while trying to also just make the west his yeah (laughs) So I just think that would be a really cool mashup. I don't know. If somebody can make that happen, you know, any of these combinations would be awesome. Right? Do it. Oh, yeah. Please. (laughs) Why not? Uh, Yeah. You already mixed all the other worlds. Why not? (laughs) Uh, Like, why not get, like, good, sensible mixes? (laughs) Characters that logically go together. Did you have any other ideas? 
Uh, I think I had one more, and it involves my favorite character in all of comics. You guessed it. Gambit. Gambit. Gambit and Nightwing. Ooh, our favorite characters. Yeah. Mixed together. Yeah. Sexy studs. (laughs) Of the comic book universe. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, We have the... uh, Bad boy, like they, they, I mean, they're both bad boys, <laughs> but uh, the, the the bad boys that are good enough, yeah, you know, for the girls to they, pursue, j- they're just good enough, yeah. Uh, they they both have very obvious flaws to themselves, mm-hmm. but uh, it would be my idea for a story is for some reason, Gambit takes it upon himself to steal something very valuable. And it just so happens that he's off-world, for whatever reason, stealing something that belongs to, let's say, any one of the rogues. Let's say the Penguin. He has valuables, right? <laughs> Maybe he's stealing from Wayne Industries or something, you know? Maybe. Some Ma- kind of Wayne <laughs> museum or something. Yeah, like, there's there's some kind of, like, gem or diamond mm-hmm. that uh, is on display. Yeah. And Gambit's like... I got to get that. (laughs) (laughs) And I am the premier thief in all of the Marvel Universe. Anyone who tries to argue Scott Lang, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Coming out hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Scott Lang is the thief that fails. Gambit is the thief that succeeds. Mm. And, and by the thief that succeeds, I mean there's in the TV show that only lasted one season, Wolverine and the X-Men, Gambit literally steals Magneto's helmet. What a G. <laughs> uh, by the, G, I mean good guy. Uh, yeah, that's what we mean, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. See, the, this this idea just brings the perfect picture to mind for me. Oh, yeah? Now imagine Dick Grayson. In a circus, mm. traveling around, gallivanting, it, and suddenly a man that's good with cards comes up and says, why don't I run a game table at your circus? Ah. And they become a traveling duo. <laughs> Tra- with, yeah, a traveling entertainment duo. Yeah, with Nightwing controlling all these circus <laughs> acquisitions and <laughs> Gambit kind of screwing people over at his card tables. <laughs> right. Uh, Nightwing could be the... Uh, Ring leader, as it were. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe just stick to trapeze. I mean, technically, he was the owner yeah. of New 52, and then he sold it for reasons after uh, Death of the Family. He, he sold it because he's still a superhero, and yeah. you can't manage a traveling circus and be a superhero at the same time. Yeah. There, I mean, there's reasons behind <laughs> it, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I, I like the idea of that story. I like, actually... They should just make us the writers for this book. We, they should. We'll take the two favorite characters and uh, <laughs> constantly fight over who should win the struggle. Oh, yeah. That, like, And here's the thing. The book should end in just there being a, a disagreement, but like a 
respect. <laughs> um, I'm sure I, you could have like a love interest in there somewhere. Yeah. They're both kind of vying for the same person or whatever. Yeah. And each character thinks that they're equally, like not equally, but each character thinks that they are much more advantageous as far as winning or wooing this lady. <laughs> I, I mean, you could make this even like weirder and just have like the lady secretly being some kind of interdimensional being that just <laughs> likes them both and just wants the feeling of having them both like <laughs> adore her. And like so the... she, she sets up the situation where Gambit can be in the vicinity. And <laughs> you, you can't have Nightwing there and, yeah. and have her as kind of the damsel in distress so that they'll fight over her. Yeah, I also like the idea of, and this might be a little controversial, uh, Dick Grayson, not as Nightwing, but as Agent 37. Oh, no. (laughs) Don't do this to me. (laughs) Having to intercept someone who's stolen something that uh, Spiral has been keeping an eye on. Spiral's dead, and it should stay dead. (laughs) (laughs) Hell's Worlds. (laughs) The Grayson books were good. They had good artwork and good writing, but I hated the idea. (laughs) (laughs) I hated that we're just going to make... We're going to pretend you're dead because Jeff Johns really wants to kill you. (laughs) But our fans... Just lay low for a while. Our fans are basically picketing this, (laughs) saying there's no way we'll buy your books if you kill Nightwing, so... We got to do something with you. We want to keep you alive. Secret agent? All right, secret agent. Yeah. We, no. We... <laughs> secret agent, former circus, former Robin character. Okay. None of this backstory makes any sense. Better idea. They're both pulling a con. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh and it's because they have uh there's a target and each of them is going to get out of this target something that they want uh for gambit it's something that he can steal and take back to wherever the fuck he lives <laughs> who knows uh <laughs> uh sometimes it's nolans sometimes it's just a random apartment that he has which Apparently, he just has several random apartments wherever he feels like shacking up. Sure. Um, we'll go with it. Yeah. It, like, ultimate man about town. Yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, uh, Dick is going along with this because there's a criminal. Uh, like, the the target is, like, one of the rogues. <laughs> and, he, and he's got to bring him in. <laughs> and, like, one of the things that I would like to showcase in this book is Dick's propensity for humor. <laughs> and, I can see a unique dynamic there. Right. And I also want Gambit to maybe have a, a quip here or there, maybe make a reference to all of Nightwing's quips as dick jokes <laughs> <laughs> yes i can see this you're painting a perfect picture <laughs> and yeah like towards the end of the con uh there seems to be some kind of issue between the two of them they they have their their battle the uh obligatory who would win in a fight battle yeah. <laughs> 
But then yeah. it gets interrupted, they get back on plan, and then they settle their thing, and then it's like, oh, by the way, uh, I totally let you in. It's like, sure you did. <laughs> of course. Roll credits. Roll credits. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our ideas. Uh, if you're watching this, why don't you throw some ideas in the comments? Oh, yeah. Let us know what you think. Send it to us on Twitter, at, at htbvids, or uh, on our YouTube comments, and we'll get back to you. Oh, what yeah. What we think. And uh, don't limit it to DC and Marvel. By all means, think of something image or valiant or like something. I mean, I kind of had vertigo in there. Yeah, vertigo? Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. With old Constantine. Old Constantine. Not new one. Yeah. Apparently new one is DC. But... All <sighs> <laughs> oh, these mix-ups make no sense. Yeah. I mean, they kind of make sense. <laughs> Now, that's what I call a mediocre discussion. Mediocre! <laughs> this week's Cosplayer of the Week is our friend, once again, Pete Mako, featuring his awesome Captain Canuck costume. <laughs> Captain Canuck. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and so tight. Oh, Canada. <laughs> Remember, if you'd like to be featured on our Cosplayer of the Week segment, you can submit your cosplay to our Twitter at HDBVids and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash hit the books. Please, we ask that you don't use another person's cosplay as your own. Yes, please. Whatever you do, send in your own work. Yeah, it's just inconsiderate, you know. And yeah. It might cause problems for us. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, well, folks, that's uh, that wraps up another mediocre edition of Hit the Books podcast. Thank you all for sticking with us, and uh, be sure to like and subscribe down below. If you like what you hear, uh, be sure to check out all our YouTube videos and podcast services. That will be up as soon as our website gets released from legal documentation registries <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the social networks. We're on Twitter at HTBVids and on Facebook at forward slash hit the books. I'm your host, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And thank you once again for watching. Be sure to support your comic book shop. See you next week. Bye bye.